Hey everybody, welcome to the debut episode of Ride Whatever Moto Podcast. Uh, we are recording this live on Facebook, so uh, fortunately I have some time to edit this and post. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's kick off this first episode. So you might be wondering, what is Ride Whatever Moto? Well, uh, this is my brainchild that I came up with uh, over the last year of uh, outlet to get all of my crazy brain uh, uh, thoughts and stuff out about motorcycles. Um, I spend a lot of time uh, just on media of all kinds, researching uh, everything from gear, bikes, uh, listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos. I mean, I, I'm taking in as much content as I can. I don't really have an outlet to um, just to share what I think, to share my thoughts. So this, that's what this is. Um, and above all else, I wanted to start a community that where if you like riding, um, whatever it is, scooters, uh, adventure bikes, dirt bikes, um, if you ride a Can-Am Spider, we don't care. We're all here to uh, enjoy uh, two wheels, or I guess in the Can-Am, three wheels. Uh, we're here to enjoy our passion and to uh, really just share that together and embrace the culture. Um, you can't just pick one style of riding and think that this is something that uh, I'm gonna just focus on and I don't care about anything else. Like I'm a Harley guy and all those other bikes need to go away. Uh, that's not how it works. We're, we got an industry that is based on consumerism, whether we like it or not. The freedom that we get from motorcycles, uh, it's, it's not there unless we have manufacturers and an industry uh, that we can cling to and support. So sorry to drone on about that. Essentially, our thoughts here are, again, we're not going to bash. Um, we're going to talk some shit. Uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, you talk shit to me, too. Uh, it's welcome. Uh, be gentle. This is our first time uh, doing a podcast as well as doing a live stream. So, um, again, I'm your host, Matt. Um, super excited to get this thing going. Um, let's see. What else we got? Um whether motorcycling is uh, a means of transportation to you, whether it's uh, a sense of adventure, uh, a hobby, or for me, uh, one of my biggest things is mental health. Like I have such a clear mind when I'm riding. I'm focusing on what I'm doing. I'm not. I, I'm not distracted. I, I. It's a sense of quiet and focus. Um, it's really important, and um, it's also pretty badass. So we love to ride um, whatever form of two wheeled. Uh, motorcycle or scooter you choose, uh, we are here to stand for our undying passion for motorcycles. Uh, ride motorcycles and ride whatever. So to kick off, uh, I want to introduce our first segment. Um, our first segment is essentially just getting a connection with uh, those around us that ride. Um, people, riders like you and me, uh, how we got into it, bikes we've owned, why we do it, uh, and so on. So with that, uh, I would like to introduce my first guest. Uh, I've, uh, he's been a friend for a long time, sorry. Um, and uh, we've worked together. Uh, our companies work together a lot. We uh, even were in the same office building for a while. Um, as time went on, uh, we got to know each other. Um, as you might assume, he, he, rides, uh, he rides motorcycles. Um, please welcome our first guest to the podcast, Tanner. Hey, Tanner. Hello. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. 
Um, so it's been about four, five, five years since uh, we met, I believe. Yeah, March, March 2015. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so uh, back then, uh, I think the culture, uh, you were in the same office building as me. Um, there was a lot more riders and a lot more motorcycle presence in the parking lot. Yeah, it's definitely something that uh, I'm missing right now, so. Yeah, are you getting out and riding much? Uh, I do a little bit. Um, not as much as I'd like, but who is? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, <laughs> we we got this from, uh, about pro this probably was about four years ago. Let me uh, get our little faces out of there. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> this is the parking lot of our office building. Um, Looks like looks like your ZX up front. Uh, yep. Another coworker, Jaron. I think that's his uh, Gixxer S750. <laughs> uh, Brian's uh, bobbed out V-Star something right there. And then on the way back, we got my uh, uh, my former uh, bike, the uh, 2014 Yamaha Bolt. So let's see here get ourselves back up on the screen. There we are. I mean, wouldn't it really be a Portland business if you didn't have a bobbed out bike, so. That or a cafe. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of cafe'd out that uh, weird bobber cafe version of that bolt that I had. So um, it was the only bolt that I, I had seen riding around. I had clip-ons and yeah, it was it was an interesting thing. So I li I did like that bike though. Um, I'll just say resale value wasn't that great. So, like I said, our our first segment is uh, we want to get into why why we ride, why how we got into it. Um, what was that spark? When when was the seed planted uh, for motorcycling for you? Um, when did you really catch the bug? I'll go ahead and start here and start talking about some of the bikes that I owned um, and bikes that got me into it. So the first bike that I really started, uh, my infatuation came from was my dad's 1965 CB160. This isn't it, but it is almost identical. I tried getting him to get me some photos out of his storage unit. Um, but he works retail and, uh, for a local grocer. So he is working a ton. Um, but anyway, this, you get the gist from this photo. Um, it was red. It's the sweet, like bulbous exhaust on there. Um, it, it was a sweet looking bike and like young toddler me up to through my teens was infatuated with this thing. Um, this wasn't the bike I knew. The bike I knew had faded red paint, rusty chrome. Um, the engine was in a, uh, I think an old canning jar cardboard box. I used to pull the side open and twist the crank and watch the piston rod go up and down. Uh, I love this thing, but above all, I, I really enjoyed the story. Uh, the stories that my dad had about this thing. He paid $80 for this thing in a crate, complete basket case. Uh, he put it together himself, uh, ran for like a year or two. Um, at that point, you decided to spend some money on it. He took it to St. John's Honda um, here in Portland, and uh, he spent about four to six hundred bucks on it to have it fully rebuilt. Um, it ran for a lot of years after that. I do not know the story about how 
uh, how it ended up in shambles and pieces in the garage. Um, I just know that my mom didn't really want him to get it back going. Um, and also he had two kids and we weren't really easy to handle. Uh, the embellished stories my dad would talk about this thing after the rebuild, he says he had it up to 90 going down, uh, the highway. Um, I'm not sure how that's possible. It must've been a really steep hill. Um, but either way, uh, it sounded cool and it got me, it really started getting me into interested in bikes. Um, what happened later was, uh, my parents split right at the end of high school for me and, uh, my dad sold the bike. I wanted this thing so bad and I was pissed when he got rid of it. Um, I'm continuously actually, I'm looking for this exact bike. I don't even care if I have to get one and paint it at this point. Um, I do want to add that to my, uh, my garage at some point. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the bike that almost was. Uh, my grandpa, uh, right before he died, was almost at retirement and was looking at buying a, uh, this was in 91, so 90, like 9091, uh, KLR650. Um, I was probably about five years after he died, um, I went into his garage and I opened up his tool chest. Um, it was over the summer, just hanging out with grandma. Inside his tool chest was the dealership flyer of the bike he was gonna have with a day countdown crossing out till the days he was retiring so he could buy it. That bike to me was just something new. It was, I, I mean, I knew dirt bikes existed. Uh, 10 year old me knew that sport bikes existed, um, and cruisers. I didn't know anything about dual sports and this thing just it like sparked another interest in me and, uh, definitely, uh, helped form my tastes presently. So Tanner, how did this happen for you? Uh, for me, I don't think I really had that perfect seed of a moment that I had that spark. I've just always uh, known that I needed to have a motorcycle and uh, as much as it would make my mom mad, it was going to happen. It's the classic story of uh, making mom mad. <laughs> so, uh, you know, well, when you got to have it, you got to have it. Exactly. So, uh, if your mom was going to be mad, tell me about uh, this guy right here. Uh, yeah, if my mom was going to be mad, it was at this guy right here, which is my grandpa for me. Uh, I believe this is a mid-80s GSXR, maybe just a GXR. Um, so it was probably just ingrained in me before I even knew that I was going to ride on two wheels. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, well, fortunately or unfortunately, he did not take you for a ride. <laughs> and it doesn't look like you're wearing the proper protective equipment. Yeah. Those are not, uh, approved, you know, Bonnie hats for uh, motorcycle riding. He yeah, seems probably not kitted up though. Yeah. <laughs> I know I, I, I put my, uh, uh, my kids, uh, I think I have, I have photos of my daughter on, uh, on the tank of, uh, I think three of my bikes now. So, um, and I take her for rides around the property every now and then, but from there, Tanner, it's hard to get away with. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, mom's not too keen on it, but she seems to let it happen. <laughs> so from there, Tanner, it looks like we got, uh, a fun little look that you had going on here. 
yeah, I mean, that was back when I used to be able to grow hair on my head. Uh, it is pretty luscious. Move south. Yeah. I wish I could have that hair. Well, comparison uh, comparison now, let's just look real quick. So there's Tanner. How old were you? About 16? So, uh, yeah, 16, 17, right in there. And Tanner now. Looks like it moved all to his yeah. face. So, yeah, man, uh, gravity's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have that issue in other places. So uh, tell us a little bit about that bike. Uh, so I never actually owned this bike. It was uh, a friend's mom. Uh, her husband wished that she would get into riding, uh, and she didn't like it. So somehow I ended up with the Honda Rebel 250 at the sweet age of 17 i'm a little jealous but yeah that's i mean that's a good way to get going it's a great first bike um i got a lot of friends that started on uh honda rebels so uh i moved on apparently so sorry about that there's there's tanner again <laughs> so <clears throat> spoiler alert um yeah, so I mean, like, how much did you ride back then? Like, did you did you go to school? Did you just spend time on the summer, like during the summer? Uh, well, I didn't actually get my motorcycle license until after I was eighteen, um, but I was riding more than I should have been, and especially on that bike. As soon as I got my uh, feet on the pegs, they were a bit higher than the handlebars. My knees were. Uh, yeah, I was riding every week back then. Cool, cool. Yeah, there's uh, something to be said for starting young. Um, for me, that story did not go the same. So uh, that little uh, photo I brought up was a little too early, but... <clears throat> oh, man. Oh, man. We're getting here. There we go. All right. So for me, life went on. Um, I rode dirt bikes with friends, um, some ATVs growing up, nothing crazy, just some random weekends. Uh, in my teens, a bike that reignited the, the motorcycling fire for me was the Honda Hornet 919. Uh, this bike was sex. It was beautiful, matte charcoal finish, um, almost gunmetal uh, flat paint. Um, it was everything I wanted. I made my dad take me to the dealership a few times just so I could gawk at it and look at it and dream about it. Um, I graduated high school, though. Then it was girls, the real world, and actually being broke, which, I mean, is most of what the real world is, I guess, uh, for most and some at that age. Um, from there, I apparently still have Tanner's lovely hair in there. I think we should just leave it there for the whole episode. Uh, there we go. I wish... So from there, um, I had friends that had bikes uh, that kept the interest alive. I was constantly jealous about it. Um, it just didn't seem like it was going to happen. Uh, then I got married, and we had our first kid. Uh, I bargained with my wife that when we would pay off our student loans, or like uh, one of them, I don't even care, just a student loan, uh, that I could get a bike. Uh, well, that didn't happen. Um, but a miracle did. Uh, I had a coworker. His brother was... Uh, selling a just needed to get it gone a 78 xs 400 that was had been sitting in his backyard um, i paid 50 dollars for this thing with title um, i had it up here earlier let's bring it back up 
There she is right after I got her home. Um, swapped some spark plugs, cleaned the carbs, had it running with about an, eh, about two hours, um, on at least on one cylinder because I had a bad coil. But once I got that fixed, um, I started riding this thing as much as possible. I mean, I was hooked. I, I mean, I had a $50 bike. Um, my commute at the time is similar to my commute now, which is about 70 miles round trip. I get to work. My buddy, whose brother I bought it from, looks at me and he's just like, what the hell are you doing, man? You don't have an endorsement. That chain looks like it's about to just rot off. And I even check the wheel bearings and I'm like, uh, 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 no. Uh, so he told me I was riding a death trap. I got it home and I started putting a little more money into it. Um, for the most part, probably 250, 300 bucks I had put into the thing. I had redone the wheel bearings. I rebuilt the forks. Uh, at one time riding it, the uh, spade connector on the fuse block, just the positive broke off uh, and it just kept dying on me intermittently at that point. Um, fixed that. Uh, got it cleaned up. Uh, I think the only thing I needed to do at this point was uh, paint the tank, but from this photo, it's kind of deceptive. The tank looked pretty good. Looks like some aluminum could use polished to there. But uh, no, I, I mean, I probably put about 2,000 miles on that bike um, for a total of like 6,000 that were on it. Um, ended up selling it about a year later for about 1,500 bucks. Uh, from there, I entered motorcycle debt. Uh, I justified it by, uh, I think a lot of people talk about the free bike equation every now and then when trying to convince their significant other to let them get a bike. Uh, to me, the free bike equation made perfect sense. It was how much money I was saving on fuel um, and, I don't know, some other bullshit to, to convince her. Um, I was actually convinced, so to be fair, I was just communicating. Sorry. Sorry, Andrea. Um, <laughs> so that bike was, uh, that entered me into the world of motorcycle debt, was the 2014 Yamaha Bolt. Um, like I said, my buddy, my buddies had some bikes, and one of them had a uh, Harley Nightster, and I was kind of lo loved the, uh, that classic bobber look, but I also liked the Yamaha reliability. At least that's what I was sold at the time. Uh, it was a great bike. I think I put about 2,500 miles on it by the end of that, so probably six months. Um, I bought it in June. And it was awesome. I um, ended up, I had it for about six years, uh, put some money into it, put some exhaust on it, ECU reflash, power commander. Uh, I mentioned clip-on bars earlier. Um, I, it was a fun, unique thing. Um, at least I thought it was unique at the time. Um, I hadn't seen another one like it. Uh, one issue those bikes have is uh, decel pop a lot, and the ECU re reflash really helped with that. And I, I can provide links uh, in the podcast notes if you have a Yamaha Bolt or another bike and you want to get an ECU reflash. Um, anyway, I think I ended up selling it with about 10,000 miles on it. Um, but yeah, awesome bike. So Tanner, what bike was next for you? Uh, I think I went from the 250, which uh, didn't have high enough handlebars or nearly enough power for an 18-year-old. Uh, so I went to a, a Nighthawk 650. Uh, nice. 
Yeah, my uh, photo skills were not as good as they are now. Uh, I think this might be the only photo I have of the bike. Uh, Did you take that on your uh, your razor, your Motorola razor phone? <laughs> it was definitely a flip phone. I'll tell you that for sure. There you go. Uh, what year was that? Oh, let's bring it back up. Uh, it was about a uh, '84, I believe. Um, it was the first bike I ever had to rebuild carbs on. Um, yeah, it was... they, uh, uh, sink all four of those carbs. That probably was fun. Yeah. Uh, even just slipping them back onto the onto the block is a bit of a pain, but yeah. Uh, but hey, you did it. So that's I mean that's one of our I mean biggest things is uh, if you can't work on it yourself, take it to stuff. But do your maintenance, get it worked on. You did it. You learned how to do it, and yeah. Yeah, there's nothing more satisfying than just rebuilding carbs. So it's definitely a thing I've learned to enjoy. Nice. What did your mom think about this at this point? You actually had a, a bike of your own at this point. Well, she did say I was not allowed to have a bike until I was 18. So I was probably 18 years and two days old and I bought this bike. Um, well, there you she's go. not a huge fan. Take that, mom. Uh, <laughs> even uh, from the last photo, you could tell I had all of the... Uh, PPE necessary to ride. So, well, totally. What was that? A uh, let's go back to that. Well, uh, let's see here. Coming on it. What? It, what kind of jacket is that? Hey man, I got elbow pads. I got shoulder pads. I got back pads. I don't know. Hey, I'm if not I was I, just trying to match the bike. I think you, know? you were. I think you were. And the hairstyle. <laughs> I got the helmet. You know. <laughs> We're just trying to make an outfit out of everything. Not bad, not bad. Matchy, matchy. Uh, <laughs> any any fun adventures on that? Um, <clears throat> uh, on the Nighthawk? Uh, most of it was just normal commuting. I never got any uh, long trips in, but it was the first time I ever laid down a bike. Uh, it was just... Uh, not knowing how to modulate the uh, rear brakes, so ended up uh, low, low side siding yeah. and some, yeah, and some uh, oily wet road. It, yeah, it happens. Uh, I mean, everybody. It's it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when we go down. Um, so, yep. at least you're here to talk about it, and you're still riding too. So that's good. Um, so how many how many years do you think you had that? I probably only had that about a year and a half, maybe two. Gotcha. Okay. Um, let's see from there. Uh, what was next for you? Uh, from there, uh, kind of got tired of uh, used electronics on a bike. So I went with a new uh, Kawasaki Ninja. Uh, yes, there she is. Yeah. Is, uh, nin what's... Is that Ninja 250? 250, yeah. Nice. Uh, this was, uh, I think, 2008. Maybe, yeah. But it was definitely a bike that didn't have a problem starting in, in the morning, which I greatly appreciated. Yeah, that is, that is very helpful. Um, Getting on a bike like that from uh, the Nighthawk, how was, uh, I'm sure some hooligan fun started at this point. 
Yeah, I was uh, actually working as a uh, machinist at Leatherman, uh, which is out by the airport on night shift. So it would always be a uh, time trial back to the house late at night. Yeah, yeah. Just not cruise down Airport Way or eighty <laughs> second. Uh, we do uh, two hundred five to eighty four. Ooh, yeah, that's good. I mean, it's a lot different probably then than it is now. So, especially late yeah. at night. <laughs> so, um, from there, uh, for me, I started collecting or thinking that I was collecting. Uh, let's see. I got a photo of. Uh, I started scouring Craigslist. This is part of the me getting into uh, just reading reviews, scouring ads, uh, YouTube, podcasts, everything. I just wanted to start buying bikes. Um, I did this uh, wanting to get something going for my wife and for the family, something to take camping. So I ended up with these guys. Uh, there's my bolt on the left, um, a pair of matching Yamaha DT175s. I they're 1974s. And then the rare one in the bunch is on the right. That is a 1975 Kawasaki FE 11250. Let me tell you what. You ever see a bike that looks uh, that looks good, someone's ditching it for cheap, it runs, and it's perfect, it's got a title, and they're offloading it, start asking questions why. Uh, the why for this one was buying parts, pain in the ass. You could not find anything. I mean, I, I, all, all the normal online resources, some of the specialty shops here in town, just finding things for that was a pain. So eBay was my friend and there was a lot of um, random dollars spent on faulty parts or parts that didn't fit. Um, the good news is I did some work. I finished up what the guy before me started on it. I ended up selling it probably for about twice what I paid. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was nice filling the garage of bikes, so um, it's a good feeling, and I want to even even bikes that didn't run. So, um, are you gonna get your girls riding bikes anytime soon? So, well, so uh, for the for the listeners, um, I got a seven year old and I got a one and a half year old. The seven year old is all about it. Um, she's owning the bicycle now. Uh, she really wants to get going and riding. Um, unfortunately, we are in a situation where we don't have the garage space. So um, we're going to get there. The goal is next year, uh, get her on a little bike. Um, I have uh, one of those DT-175 still and just start riding around the trails. We live in a rural area um, close to town. Um, so places to ride is not really an issue. Um, going from this... Uh, I did start to thin the herd a little bit. Um, I got rid of the Bolt, uh, mostly because I got bored. Uh, I wanted to ride something different, ride something new. Um, I was less about the style at this point. Um, I think early on in riding, I was really focused on what my bike looked like. Um, and I kind of wanted to get a little bit of hooligan fun going on. so. I was looking at the KTM 390, which we're going to talk about uh, that platform a little later. But I ended up going with the, uh, this was a 2017 KTM 690 Duke. 
uh, wheelie machine. Uh, I love this thing. It was my commute at the time was probably 30 minutes and I had a back road, an alternate route I could take. That was, uh, if you're from the Portland area skyline, I could ride all the way down skyline, uh, during the summer and just have a blast, uh, powering through that. Uh, a lot of people have uh, problems with fueling issues, like fuel pump issues and electronics on KTMs. I had zero issues at the, this bike with the, I think I put about 8,000 miles on it. Um, the only thing that drove me nuts was uh, the shift lever uh, uh, return spring. So you'd have miss shifts like crazy. You'd be cruising around, coming off a wheelie, you shift and it's like, oh shit, I missed a gear. And you're right back down. Um, <laughs> couple puckering moments i also hated uh i mean granted it wasn't for the looks but the uh freaking trash can toaster of a catalytic converter that sat right underneath the engine uh and riding in wet weather you just hear all the water puddle up on it and all the time um plus it just looked like crap and it, it that thing had to be pretty restrictive but it was a good bike um power to rate ratio was great uh I mean, I'm, I'm six foot, 180 pounds, uh, plenty of bike for me. Let's see. Uh, so like I said, I had to thin the herd a little bit. Um, so I had the Duke, uh, the Kawasaki, I ended up selling, uh, that that's the, uh, one in the middle here, the F11 250. I ended up selling that at, uh, there we go. One in the middle, um, selling that at a swap meet before, as we were getting ready to move. Um, one of the DT 175s at this point, I had planned on building both of them, but then I ended up stealing parts off of one of the DT 175s to fix the other. I still have them both. Uh, I plan to rebuild the second one someday, but the one here on the left, uh, it's running great. Uh, I got to get some new tires on it. Uh, I have rebuilt the forks. I've been polishing a ton of chrome. Um, got a new carb to go on and it's just a work in progress. So, um, hopefully to have that ready for the summer and some camping. Tanner, tell us about what you ride now and why you chose it. Uh, so currently what I ride is, uh, Kawasaki Z125. Um, the previous bike I had was a Suzuki XS1100, uh, which was uh, probably four or five times my weight and just a beast to ride. Uh, so I just wanted something smaller, really, that just fits in any spot you could ever imagine. Um, I can literally pick the bike up by the back and turn it around, so... It's great fun. It's not technically uh, freeway legal, but uh, it has been on I-5, yeah. so. Well, you could ride legally on the freeway with a big bore kit. Uh, if you can get it past 150 cc's, yeah. Gotcha. Well, tell me about what stupid adventures, stupid shit you've done on that bike, on the Z. Uh, I'm sure you got something to tell. Uh, out of all my bikes, this is probably the one I've misbehaved uh, the most on. 
and it's just the bike that uh, encourages lane splitting in a state that it's not allowed and curb hopping and that's what we call hooligan riding it's it's what it's made for for sure rightfully so uh the z looks like a ton of fun so at this point uh the duke wasn't really cutting it for me anymore so i traded it towards the one behind me the 2018 tiger 800 xcx uh i chose this after identifying some needs when riding the duke after moving, uh, my commute doubled back to 70 miles round trip, like when I started riding eight or nine years ago. I also wanted to extend my riding season, so I knew I wanted wind protection, heated grips, uh, all those things would be nice, and just overall comfort. For the daily mileage um, I was doing, I, th I knew I was going to need something bigger, um, at least wanted something bigger. The Triumphs checked all those boxes, so before test riding it, I researched it extensively to no end, and it was a good time to buy. The dealership was clearing out the prior year models for cheap, plus 0.99% interest and a $1,000 rebate from Triumph. The MSRP was fourteen five for the XEX. I rode away with it for just under twelve k. Um after title and fees. So I got it last April and I just passed 11,000 miles. I'll be doing my valve adjustment in the coming weeks and I may post a video. Shout out to Muddy Sump for some great maintenance videos. I'll be sure to add that in the comments. Uh, so Tanner, tell me about the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you on a motorcycle. Uh, things that I probably shouldn't talk about. Um... Uh, probably just riding two up with, uh, a guy that's a hundred pounds heavier than you Not on a bike butt. that Not is lighter than the combination of y'all, uh, around the block. And it was his first time and we went for a turn and he stood on a peg and we low sided the thing. So, Ooh, nut to butt and going down. I'd say play in your weight class if you're going to go nut to butt. <laughs> Wait, was that in the ZX? Wait, was that in the ZX? Uh, yeah, the Z, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, bud. You know it. So, <laughs> How about yourself? I, I got one from a few weeks ago. I was – I rode to a coffee shop to work – do some work on the weekend, work remotely. And I – rolled up there's a ton of bikes out front there's some guys and gals smoking out front and i line up for my spot and i start walking it back well i didn't want to admit that i wasn't lining up correctly and rather than face embarrassment of pulling forward and coming back because obviously i had people to impress stupid but um i committed and i came back and I have just enough room to lean the bike over and I get it down and on the side stand, I put my boot on the ground and my boot gets stuck between my left foot peg and uh, the other bike's right foot peg. So at this point, I'm like, well, shit, so much for not embarrassing myself. And so I try to pull my boot back up so I can move the bike and my boot's stuck. So I get my boot free, I get back on, I fire the bike back up, 
I roll forward, reposition, and ended up in a much worse, uh, a much more embarrassing um, position than if I would have just, I don't know, not gave a shit from the beginning. So anyway, uh, that was... Yeah, that probably my most recent embarrassing experience. I know there's plenty to go on to, and I'm sure I'll share some more in some further episodes, but that's it for now. <laughs> so, Tanner, uh, just to wrap things up here uh, and let you go, what is your favorite thing about writing? Uh, I'm sure it sounds pretty cliche, but it's definitely the just freedom from... Uh, like driving a normal car. Uh, the smell factor is actually a big thing for me. If you're riding around the uh, West Hills and you get that forest smell as you're riding around, that's a big part. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about summertime riding, though I do like driving by a burger spot too and getting that smell. Tanner, uh, thanks for joining us. Let's get some beer soon. Sounds like a plan. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to... Uh, continue on here with our podcast. Uh, we got cut short a little bit on the live stream due to um, a couple things, some, some technical issues, as well as uh, I was recording at the studio at our office and the uh, cleaners showed up because uh, I had not planned accordingly. So uh, we had to cut Tanner loose a little early. Um, I did want to get on to our last segment for uh, episode one, and that is... Uh, hot topic of the week or the the episode or whatever it is uh still working that out but essentially our hot topic for uh this week's episode is writing during a pandemic so rather than going through all the what you should and shouldn't do's and things like that i'm going to tell you a story uh that happened directly with me so about a couple weeks ago, I was riding. Um, I decided to go for a ride. I needed to capture some footage for the teaser video that I released uh, a week and a half ago or so. And I one of my favorite rides. It's really close to my house to start it. It's uh, it's a loop down Scappy's Renonia Highway to uh, Highway 202, down through Astoria, back Highway 30, and then you got a bunch of options from there. Um, I did Highway 30 to make it quick but decided I was going to go on this ride and the weather was great. That kind of helped me make the decision to do it. Uh, and so I set off and about 20 minutes into my ride, right before, uh, Scappy's Renonia highway meets up with 202. Um, I came across a downed rider, which is really interesting. So like every time I do this route, um, at least the first time every year. So this would be the first time this year I've done it. Um, I've come across a down rider. That's three years in a row now. So, uh, pretty crazy, but, uh, every time they've been okay. And this time was no exception. Um, so <clears throat> he had taken the corner too wide. I had stopped obviously to help. This is how I got the information. Um, he had taken the corner too fast and hit the gravel and just low sided down. Uh, luckily he didn't have the runway of gravel wasn't that long. Um, and he hit a mud embankment, uh, that padded his, uh, crash for sure. He didn't look like he had a scratch on him. The bike, um, we picked up and we moved it out of the way. And the only, looks like the only thing other than some dirt and some, a few scrapes from gravel on his exhaust was it ripped his inner rear fender off. And 
thank goodness he was okay. Uh, that could have that road. There's a ton of different um, places where you can go down and and go off a, a pretty large uh, hill or cliff, for that matter. So uh, I'm so glad he was okay. Um, we parted ways. I loaned him. A, I gave him a rock strap that I had, a spare one, just to cinch up his fender um, to keep it on. Uh, and I went on my way. At this point is when I started thinking about what it is to be riding right now. We have stay-at-home, sort of stay-at-home orders. Like uh, Oregon's a little less strict than other states. Um, but yeah, a lot of people are staying home, out of work, and limiting travel. So my thought process in jumping on the bike is that I'm not around anyone else. So I go on the ride and I continue on and I just can't get this off my brain. Um, I end up stopping in uh, Astoria uh, just to take a quick break. I wasn't around anyone. Um, kind of just stretched it out a little bit uh, before I jumped back on and continued home. Uh, made sure the GoPros were still recording, which they weren't. I think I ran out battery like 20 minutes prior, but I, I'll share some footage later. Um, anyway, so I got home. Everything's fine. Um, the thing that I couldn't stop thinking about is what does it mean to ride during this crisis? And I think about the rider who went down. I think about myself. I think about the... 30, 40 other bikes I saw on the uh, full three-hour loop. And <clears throat> the thing that stands out to me the most is if you go down, like the guy did on Scappy's Fernonia Highway, and you get injured, you're now taking up potentially a hospital bed. That's part of the reason why we're staying at home is to, to lessen that curve, right? So we have less people um, impacting our hospital system. So that's issue number one. Um, issue number two is I don't mind jumping on the bike, uh, if I have to go to the office, I have to fill in about half, a, half, half the week, usually two to three days in the office. The rest is working from home. Um, or if I need to go grab some stuff at the grocery store and it's enough to fit in my, my top case in a backpack or something, um, writing then for me wouldn't be the wrong decision. However, just jumping on to go for a joy ride probably wasn't the best decision. Uh, the argument could be made that, I mean, I was kind of stressed out. I was in, in a really good mental place at that point. So the benefit of jumping on the bike and going for a ride for my mental health was that benefit existed. Um, and I'm not discounting that. However, I should have thought twice before jumping out on the road um, when I didn't really need to. I didn't have a um, need to hit this destination. I didn't have to go on this long of a ride to capture some footage for the video, but I did it. Um, but I couldn't get, again, I couldn't get my mind off of the potential risk that we run into um, of getting in a wreck, laying the bike down, and having to go to the hospital and take up resources, valuable resources that we need. People are dying. People are out of work. Highest unemployment rate uh, almost, I think we're almost at the numbers from the Great Depression. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, uh, as far as percentage, it's it's a crazy, unprecedented time we're living in. And the moral of the story, I guess, um, is if you need to get out and ride, 
do it, do it safely. We're all adults. We have the right information. If you need a ride to work, if you need to run to the grocery store and their bikes, your grocery getter, um, do it. I would avoid the long rides personally. Um, it's, it's not necessarily the most responsible thing for me to do, but again, we're all adults. You can make your own decision. Um, so as far as bashing people for going on other rides, uh, or going on rides during this and, uh, just making a big fuss about seeing bikes or cars and stuff out on the road, we are all adults. The decision they make, the decision I make, and the decision you make, all those are our decisions. Uh, make, be safe and make the right one. Don't take risks, uh, during this time specifically, and we're all going to be okay. Thank you for tuning in. Um, again, Tanner, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, and to people watching, sorry that watching or listening, sorry that he, uh, had to go so early. We didn't get our chance to say our goodbyes, but, uh, yeah, Tanner, Tanner was a good sport and I'm happy he joined me again. We're ride whatever moto and we'll be available on all major podcast platforms coming up here, hopefully for release, uh, if I can get this right, uh, Sunday evening, Monday, uh, keep an eye out. We'll be back in two weeks with our next episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed. Please leave me your comments, questions, and feedback. Again, you can find us at Facebook at ride.whatevermoto. Sorry, ride.whatever.moto. And uh, we hope to hear from you and see what you think. Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, ride safe.